So, hi, Michael. What was your first Hello World? So, my first Hello World, I guess it was in uh, Turbo Pascal uh, several years ago. Um, but I remember also with a friend of mine, we did some basic programming. Mm -hmm. But so I guess this was my first Hello World, but my first a bit more than Hello World was then with Turbo Pascal. When was it? Oh, try to remember. It was, I guess, around 19... Uh, 92 or 93, I guess. Okay. I'm not completely sure. So it was uh, uh, regarding um, uh, after after in the church or so, um, <laughs> I get my confirmation. I don't know what's the English term for this. Um, that I bought my first PC and then shortly afterwards, uh, I guess in the first half year, year I got more interested in re uh, regarding how the this PC works and so on. And then I got from a, a friend this Turbo Pascal stuff okay. and then try to start with this and I just try to remember what day this was, but around this time. Okay. And uh, what PC was it? You remember that? It was a 286 with 8 megahertz and a turbo power or turbo uh, button, button mm -hmm. then with uh, 16 megahertz at the end. But okay. I, to be honest, don't remember how much memory it had. But okay. I guess something about one megabyte or so. And which brand was it? Was it IBM? I know it was a Compaq, I guess it was. Oh, Compaq. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. They were nice back then. And um, what? so you created your first, what in Turbo Pascal? So I guess your first Hello World was in Basic. So what you did in Turbo Pascal? Yeah. Uh, this was some uh, small installer script around this because I had some friends which were not so familiar with the PC and we wanted to share some, I would say, um, games and so on. And then I mostly tried to do some uh, installer with Turbo Pascal so that they had just to, to insert the disks and everything was copied and so on. So it was very, very basic. And and why you get got interested in programming? So, well, To be honest, I could not completely say this because it was just I was always interested in this technical stuff and then I, one of my cousins had a, a C64 and was also interested in this and then it was that I said okay I want something like this I then annoyed my parents with the swish and then at some point in time they said okay with the, the money you get with your confirmation um, you can then do what you want and then they decided I want to have uh, some sort of PC or some sort of a computer. Uh, at this point in time, I want more some C64 because of the games. But then uh, my parents got convinced that uh, they should buy me a PC and then it ends up in this 286. And as told, I was just then curious how this works and also this is DOS and so on. Okay. And then I somehow started to, to read more about this and then started with this. Okay. Were convinced but, by you or by someone else? No, by someone else. Okay. I was really, I was first more interested in the games. Okay. And not so more in the, the how the thing works. But then when I have it, uh, I was more and more interested. But to be honest, it was also some, when I got a bit older, that the interest got less. And then it just started around when I was like 16 or so. Okay. When I was more and more interested also regarding what uh, job I want to learn. And so this starts and again to get more and more interesting for me. And so I get also more in this, this programming stuff. Okay. 
And what was the most impressive stuff you did with Turbo Pascal? <laughs> I I tried to do a own uh, game, but so a jump and run. Uh-huh. But it never really uh, started good. So it, I just get it a bit to to say you could navigate something uh-huh. uh, on the screen and did some jumps, but as told us. Uh, it was then for me during this time too complicated and then I completely stopped. Okay. And then uh, when I was back 16, 17 around, I was then more in, uh, get back interested in this. But then regarding so creating HTML pages. Oh, and uh, time, could you figure at least, you know, jump and run? So, uh, no, not completely. <laughs> okay. What was the name of the game? You probably had. To. Well, <laughs> you, you know, finding good names is the, the uh, hardest part. So it never get a real name. Oh no! So it just started with it. Usually, as teenager, you would start with a you know crazy name and then start programming. Uh, <laughs> no, no, it was the, the other side around. So I okay. started programming, but never got to a name. So after Turbo Pascal, you started hacking HTML. Yeah, but it was really the just. Uh, doing, I don't know, Dreamweaver was, I guess, the tool. Exactly. Uh, where you had more of this, uh, what this is, what you get, and then started to create the pages. And during this time, I was then also more interested because it, uh, this is uh, what you see is what you get. It does. I had always the feeling what I see is not really what I get. Yeah. And so I get more interested in how it, this again works. And from this, I got then uh, to the point that I had decided that I want to study something this direction so really um computer science mm-hmm. and then this uh, when i started to study i uh, started to to work with java okay and where where you studied uh, in karlsruhe and uh, ah, karlsruhe okay um, meanwhile it's named i guess the university of applied science okay so and uh, the, the... as a kid where you were based uh, also near karlsruhe hey, so cool. i Never really left this this region, so yeah, nice region. And yeah. uh, you started, uh, so you did some HTML with or without JavaScript. So at the beginning, it just was plain HTML or a little just bit plain HTML. Okay, and then yes, you started really a lot with tables. Oh yeah, tables were essential back then. Without tables, there was no layout. But uh, <clears throat> and you started, uh, you jumped immediately to Java. So you did Turbo Pascal, HTML, and then Java. Yes, yeah. Oh. And what you did with Java back then? I was uh, doing the university or the study mm-hmm. uh, that we had a lot of uh, practical stuff where we had to implement some. Uh, so the first steps in programming languages was then with Java, and then when we had to implement some also web-based uh, services or applications, it was mostly then with Java. I guess during this time it was with structs. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also the the more basic stuff. Uh, so like parser programming or compiler stuff was then with uh, C and C++. Okay. And what was your very first impression of Java? So if you saw Java the very first time, you liked that? You you knew what it is? Or what's, you know, what was the very first impression? <laughs> um, I really liked it. So because I had during this time mostly did the comparison then to C, C++. Mm-hmm. And for me, it felt far easier to, to getting things done or getting things to work mm-hmm. because you had not to take care of uh, that much with C++ mm-hmm. uh, with the whole memory allocation and the clean up and so on. Okay. And Java was more for me just one. Okay, cool. So, um, but you also learned C and C++ at the university, right? Yes, yes. Okay. So, um, so what was the 
most impressive thing you built with Java then? Back then. So during university. Yeah. Uh, we had some uh, some management system for the students where you could um, register yourself for courses okay. and then manage uh, in which course you are. But this was so during this time I w or afterwards, I would not say it was that much of impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it was Struts based, web based, right? Yeah, yeah, completely you, Struts based. You uh, ever did, uh, you know, you ever saw the university public static void main or you started with servlets? And yeah, we started with public static void main. So it was the first step. <laughs> so it was very basic in the first uh, two semesters. So that we really started with the, the, the loops and the conditions. And therefore, our professor then started with there. Yeah, so we now create a, a main method and really do something. It was very practical in the first years. Oh, okay. And, and you ever saw Swing or AWT? And yeah, yeah. I had some, some course with uh, UI programming. And also doing this, it was then my, my first practical semester mm -hmm. where I implemented for a company for a half year some UI tool for them. For uh, It was a combination of um, they provided patch for their system. So they had in their system, which I have, it was some sort of content management system. And they replace then between uh, updates or patches just the class files, and therefore they use them for the version management. It was CVS during this time, mm -hmm. and also they merged during this time between SVN, mm -hmm. and then I should then wrote uh, the uh, UI and the short um, minor tool, which then you could select uh, between different commits, and then based on this commit to create a patch file, which is. Uh, should then be applicable by another tool to the uh, installed server environment. Okay, nice. And so, for, and this, I learned a bit about Swing and uh, AWT. Okay. And uh, when was your university? 2003? Uh, 2002 to 2006, so four years. Okay. So, and what happened afterwards? So, or, or a different question. Hmm. <laughs> Were you involved in side projects during universities or had you some programming related hobbies or was just university for you? Um, yeah, so my side project, so for myself, I had not that much because mm -hmm. <laughs> during this time I was really focused on university and <laughs> getting out with my friends. Mm -hmm. And also during this time, uh, when I did something with programming, it was mostly uh, related to a company. So I worked then doing my study at, well, I guess it was two companies during this time. Uh -huh. Also, at first at the first company and then second in the second company, where I really tried to get more uh, practical stuff. And is, also there was... Which is a very good idea. And what you did then? So what you built for the companies? And so the, the first was just the, the UI, which I mentioned, and this patch um, tool. Um, I created or I started during my practical semester, so during four months. And then afterwards, they offered me a student job mm -hmm. where I could work so around, yeah, so 20 hours per week, mm -hmm. where I then worked and finalized the tool or did some features, uh, added some features. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, after half a year, I decided I want to see another company and then find a small startup. Um, which offered um, a position regarding how it was. Uh, they wanted to see if something like struts or Java server faces and one other framework was also in. Um, they wanted to have a comparison Wicked. because they wanted to. 
Uh, no, it was not Wicked. It was something different, but I could not remember. Okay. I'm not so sure. Um, and they wanted to, to see which of the frameworks they should select to uh, move the, or to create a web UI for their service, which they offered. Okay. Because before it was, they had some, also some UI, I guess it was uh, swing based, okay. but they wanted to have this then um, also uh, as a web UI and then uh, decided, okay, as example, at the end, in the worst case, they want a, a web server uh, or something like Tomcat mm-hmm. just on the uh, user's machine and then the web UI is used from there or it's hosted on some server and then used from the customers on the server. But at the end, they wanted to have a web UI and that did then the evaluation and started uh, with the first version. Okay, and which one? What one? You know, you remember that? I, I started and or I selected together with the colleagues. We decided to select uh, Java Server Faces. Yes. Mm-hmm. This was the version two or one? You remember that? I'm not sure. I guess it was already two, but Faces. I'm not completely sure. Yeah. Okay. So nice. And what happened after the university? So you started with you. You went with the startup. So or what was your? Uh, no, no. Uh, I had um, or at our university there was some some special. Uh, I think how to name it. So I don't know. Do you know uh, Steinbeis as a foundation? No, Steinbeis okay. is a funny so name. It's like you know, uh, a stone biting. A stone biter, yeah. <laughs> so stone bite fo- foundation, right? Yeah, so it's a bit, I would not say bigger, but a not small foundation. It's, uh, I guess, located in Stuttgart. Okay. And there's also a Steinbeis University in Berlin. Okay. And they had some, so one of the um, things they, want, they wanted to achieve is a collaboration between uh, companies and universities. Okay. And therefore they created the Steinbeis GmbH, so that... Uh, it was easy for professors to have a very small, um, yeah, so company mm-hmm. or like a company at the universities with just students or Finnish students where they uh, then work together to bring the new stuff learned or teach in the university back into the industry and get also from the feedback from the industry what is currently uh, used by them uh-huh. or what's the, the trend which is used and uh, to have there some, some exchange okay. and uh, I was uh, doing my uh, diploma thesis I was then asked for, by my professor because he was one of the I guess he was doing this time three professors which are uh, responsible for this and he asked me then if I do not want to join mm-hmm. and for me this sounds interesting because it was always that it was uh, projects in the area of Karlsruhe mm-hmm. and always around so mostly a half a year, so from four months to half a year, where then do some consulting or projects at companies. Okay. And for me, this really sounds nice because for me, this was the opportunity to see for more or more companies and work in different projects in a small amount of time. Okay. And also one of the concepts of this Steinberg GmbH was that the people normally work for around two to four years and then switch to the industry if they like. Okay. But so I guess when I joined the, the colleague which worked the, the longest time for this Steinbeis GmbH, so at least in Karlsruhe, worked there for three years and also left when he was around four years. Uh, then so, but 
when I then remember back, I also left, I guess, after two and a half years. And so this is, as told, quite common there and also expected. And so it was really nice to, to learn a lot of different companies. Okay, so it seems like a nice idea, the stone biter thing. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, and, and you also left stone bite? Yes, yes. I left them as told. So after, I guess it was two and a half years. So okay. it was uh, my fourth project. Uh, I was in a company in Karlsruhe. So I guess I can name this company. So it's the one, one or eins and eins in Germany. Uh -huh. And so this is subsidiary my... of T-Mobile or T-Online, right? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, United Internet. Ah, okay. United Internet. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I guess one more the competitor to the telecom. Okay. The eins und eins. It confused them. So United Inter Internet, you are absolutely right. Yeah. And uh, this was my last project. I was uh, there for a project. And then they asked me if I do not want to stay. Uh, what and, you did uh, here, there? You remember that? What was your job? So my first job, um, they had a, a migration project mm -hmm. because they bought a competitor. And then it was the migration of the uh, data into our system. It okay. was a half-year project. And I was there with the other project team, was also from other companies, because it was a bit short-term. And then they, uh, they decided to, to get external uh, colleagues, which mm -hmm. helped for the project, because they have not, internally, they had not enough resources. And so I was in this migration project. It was really interesting. Um And then afterwards, because I worked then with the team, so it was uh, the team responsible for the, the call or the phone numbers of the VoIP system. Mm -hmm. And they, then they offered me, oh, you can work completely at this team regarding them to, to um, implement the business cases and be responsible for the whole system managing the, the phone numbers. And it was Java-based? Yeah, it was completely Java-based, so... During this time, when I joined, it was all uh, EGB 2.1. Mm -hmm. So it was a bit messy at some points. Uh, but then also, I guess it was after it was about one year in this project, uh, we started migration to EGB 3.1. Which is nice. Yeah, it was completely uh, far better to say. So really, uh, 2 or the EGB 2 was really... Lots of white, or you need something to, to generate the whole stuff. Yeah, x Doctorate or something like this. Yeah. So, uh, you, uh, was it around 2006? Uh, it was a bit, I guess, 2008, 2009. Okay. 2.8, it must be. This I started most of the migration in EGB3 in 2005. So, Java 5 okay. became available, so you could just, you know, migrate to the yeah. uh, lightweight stuff. 14 years uh, ago. It was The time passes. <laughs> yeah, nice. And do you stick with 101? No, you. Uh, you. Uh, no, no. I, I. It was more, but it was more regarding uh, private reasons. Okay. Uh, because of my wife, and then we had to decide a bit if we want to move when we now um, want to get married, and then we have had to decide if we want to move closer to Karlsruhe mm -hmm. or closer to Heidelberg. And then we both tried to, to find a job in this because my wife worked in Heidelberg, I in Karlsruhe. We lived somewhere in between. And then we checked uh, who get better a job in the area of the other person. Okay. And I was then a bit faster. 
And so I we moved both more close to Heidelberg. Heidelberg is a bit nicer, I think, right? Um, yes, I like it more. So the, the city itself yeah. uh, is really nice and in comparison to Karlsruhe, even if I, based on my history, uh, I will always be, be liking uh, Karlsruhe. But to be honest, Heidelberg is a bit nicer, yes. Exactly. So uh, I think I remember there's like a small castle or something. So in Heidelberg, right? Yeah, yeah, the Heidelberger castles. I guess very famous, especially yeah, the and the tourists. Yeah, you you see really a lot of tourists when you go to Heidelberg. Yeah, and uh, which job did you got at Heidelberg? So what was it? So um, my job, which I did, so uh, I changed, um, I changed, I go to the SAP. Okay. And also because it was, I guess it was also this, uh, there was a Chucks conference at uh, 2012. Mm -hmm. Where I guess we both meet shortly, but it was just around, I guess, two to three minutes uh -huh. where we meet after one of your presentations. And why we met? Because so you had questions or what was the deal? No, no, it was because of one of my colleagues. Okay. Um, I just tried to remember. I guess it was regarding the JMS 2.1 okay. um, specification or the, the JSR related to this because One of my colleagues at the uh, Eins und Eins, uh, Rüdiger Zugona. Yeah, uh, he was, was very involved the... in the in the messaging stuff, and he was involved yes. in the spec. And we had a we we he talked, you know, all the time about messaging back then. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> because also there we had the, our convert in the Eins und Eins, because he was some uh, architect there during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, responsible for several teams and I was uh, as a developer in one of those teams and we really talked a lot about how it could be or how the new JMS specification should look like because we used it a lot during this time mm -hmm. for the communication between our services mm -hmm. uh, but still then JMS 1.0 and had a lot of uh, stuff where we thought we could improve it and also had some internal libraries which already bought some improvements but um, Rüdiger was always eager to to move this into some standard mm -hmm. and so he was then in this JSR mm -hmm. and I was together with him at the Chucks and he meet with you and I was also beside of him and uh, we had a short talk okay but yeah and what so, was the result honest, of the talk you remember that so what was the topic of and, No, no, I completely not remember. I just remember that we meet one. So he talked with you. I guess something I asked you, but uh, it was just one minor question. So okay. during this time, so you were doing this time. Uh, so yeah, still a bit of an idol for me. Oh, but during this time, I I was I do not dare to ask that much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, the interesting stuff. So there's a really small world, and uh, yes. I know you from Twitter because of your icon. Someone to reply, and uh, this is the Mebo yeah. icon. So, yes, and I said, yes. okay, I have no idea who you are, but it's uh, interesting feedback. So, this is, um, yeah. And now I know you, who you are. So, uh, probably not from faces seven years ago, but uh, I remember the context. And I remember talking with Rüdiger several times about JMS and challenges. And mm -hmm. uh, for me, it was JMS uh, like a communication protocol. And he had bigger plans because there were lots of traffic went through. 101. And in my project, was mm -hmm. JMS like a no notification service, not like, you know, the. Uh, uh, not like 101, but what Rudiger is doing still is still hacking JMS at 101 or <laughs> no, no. So um, we lost a bit of the contact after I left the company, mm -hmm. 
and I met him, I guess it was last year, the summer, uh, where I was with the family in Karlsruhe at some festival, mm -hmm. and I met him at a festival, and then we had a short talk there, and he told me that he's now in, uh, by InnoQ. Okay. And oh. do there some consulting, so also I did a, uh, I guess a well-known company. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting, uh, a few weeks ago, I, I performed a code review, GMS. And what they did, they used GMS1 completely from scratch again. Initial context lookup. And I okay. showed them, you know, I was like, yeah, this is nice what you are doing, but it's actually pointless. And I, and I showed them, you know, <laughs> the old or old, the GMS2, what it's talking about. Just, I know, at a resource GMS context, one-liner. And they were delighted. It's like, this is new. I'm saying, no, it's, I would say about, you know, this is seven years old or something. And uh, they say, yeah, this is really great. And uh, they really liked GMS back then. But what they tried to do, I don't know where, where, where they found actually the source code. It was completely, you know, museum source, <laughs> like in 10 lines of code with lots of exception handling and no one knew what happens behind the scenes, actually. I guess this is sometimes often the problem. I have the feeling too, that people just find something in the internet yeah. and just use it without checking again if there's something new or so. Because I just, I tried always to remember, I have really some time uh, to check it really. It was when I, several years ago, I was on ApacheCon and also the presentation of, of one of the maintainers from, I guess it was the HTTP client. Mm -hmm. And he told that still, I guess it was version three was often used because the people just find tutorials for this. And ah. because of this, they just copy paste and there are a lot more tutorials for the old version than the new version. And so they do not migrate to the newer version, even if the old is already out of maintenance or end of life. And so he always, whenever he has the opportunity, he tells the people, use the newer version. The old is not maintained anymore. There are security issues in it. It's not good to use this. But as told, because there are more tutorials for the old version, he told that, uh, more people use the old instead of the new version. Okay, um, I also do a lot of copy-pasting, but I behave a little bit different. So what I do, I just if I find something which interests me, I copy and paste and try to make it run. If, if mm. it runs, I try to upgrade all the dependency and see something new. Mm. And also, I to try to delete as much stuff as possible and, and see how it actually works. And then, yeah, this is... But uh, if I just copy and paste and make it run, I always have a bad feeling because I have no idea why it runs. Mm. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. So and okay. So then you started at SAP. What you did at SAP? Yeah, it was um, they offered or they searched for somebody who is interested in Java and open source. And I was a bit uh, to say curious and confused uh, because during this time for me SAP was all this uh, old uh, big company which only does uh, ABAP, and then I. Because I was curious, I just applied, and then they told me during my uh, application or during the, the first interview that uh, they started or they want to start a OData implementation in Java, and decided during this time to do this in open source, or they wanted to um, contribute to open source project during this time. Okay. And so this really sounds nice for me, and so uh, Waldorf is far more closer to Heidelberg than Karlsruhe. And so uh, I decided to, to take this opportunity. But when I then see a half year later, when I then joined at my first day, so it changed a bit doing what we planned for doing my interview. Because in this half year, the colleagues tried to um, 
work in the already existing project mm -hmm. with this project maintainers. Okay. But during this time, the, the, the person who started this uh, open source project, um, hosted uh, it by themselves, uh, by himself. Mm -hmm. And also we got the license. It was a bit complicated. And then they tried to convince him to say, okay, we should move the project perhaps in a bit different direction. Also with the license, there should be perhaps a change. But because it was just this one person which hosted this, uh, he did not agree. And then uh, the team which I joined decided, okay, we should do it differently. We still want to have this as an open source project. And then we looked how we could do this. And this was then a bit during the time when I joined. Mm -hmm. And so we decided, as it was a bit of a collaboration with Microsoft, uh, that we decided we want to start this as open source, but bring it then to the Apache Foundation. That's interesting. So story. that's not. Yeah, so the, we really wanted that no one person is in charge of the project and can do or always uh, it's all reflected to this one person. We really wanted to have a foundation behind, mm -hmm. uh, so that's not that one person can completely steer the direction of the project. Mm -hmm. And so this was then the decision and was around the end of 2012. And then we had just to clarify regarding this outbound process, this legal stuff and all about. And I guess it was then March 2013 where we started as an incubation project at the Apache. What was the name Olingo? Uh, the name Olingo. <laughs> it was uh, also there. We had several rounds internally. But it was Olingo, right? Name. Yeah, it was Olingo. It yeah. was already Olingo. And uh, just uh, a background. So what happened to me was... I think around the same time. So uh, I got lots of requests, you know, Java E and clouds or uh, microservices and service-oriented architecture. And there was constant, you know, questions regarding is there a standardized way to access backends or uh, because REST is a little bit messy, is this something else? And uh, what I found was uh, OData specification uh, from Microsoft. And uh, this OData specification from Microsoft, I liked what they did, what I didn't like, what I saw, because uh, there were like a camel case, wording. It looked like yeah. C-sharp to me, not like Java, but um, everything I, I I needed was already solved. So I liked what I saw. So I remember that. And back then, if someone asked me, you know, is there a standard? I pointed to the Microsoft OData. And back then, Microsoft was really active in the uh, Asia uh, cloud uh, initiative. So it was a completely different company than before. And um, the uh, the OData is like you know how it's called backend for frontend. So you you get a a facade, and with the facade you can query uh, usually database. And actually, I think Microsoft they implemented OData to have something like you know query queryable database or or just uh, CRUD through REST. This is how uh, mm -hmm. this is a little bit simple, but uh, this is far more than CRUD. You can invoke functions and stuff, but um, you could actually manipulate the database via REST with, uh, with you know, pagination and yeah. and and function invocations so or whatever you can imagine is already there, which is actually really nice and already solved. And uh, what I like about that is it is backed by Microsoft, which is a huge company. And then uh, indirectly, I found Olingo. So this is where you know the story closes. And uh, so now the question, uh, now you should proceed. Why the name Olingo? What it means and why it's there? So, uh, meaning, so we wanted to have something starting with an O. 
Okay. And during this time, also with this O'Reilly books, we really thought we should take an enema. Ah. And then we started to search for something which has an O in and an animal. We first thought about owl, but then we thought, oh, this, this owl this is more often used. We need something more unique. Mm -hmm. And then some of us of the team found this Olingo. So it's, uh, Olingo is a, a marquee, or I have to check the English translation, but some sort of a tiny bear. Bear. And, okay. Uh, the new bear. Bear. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's also the logo of this project. Mm -hmm. And then we, uh, everybody liked this name. So we wrote during this time the names on our boards. So we had also some other ideas. And then we said, okay, this sounds really nice. This is not used and this is unique, uh, unique enough. And then at some point in time, we decided, okay, we just name it Olingo. Cool. And how big was the team back then? Oh, during this time, I guess we were four developers. So it was a bit always uh, changing. Because when I started, also another colleague started, but then one of the team left because um, in the overall team, so a bit the bigger team, we were around 10 people, but some uh, worked on the ABAP implementation. Mm -hmm. And also from our team, then some uh, switched to JavaScript implementation. And so it was always that we were around four people during this time. And at the end, uh, so to, after, I guess, two, three years, Uh, we were only then two to three people working on this. Okay, and and uh, and you're still working on it? I know, okay. to be honest, not. So it was uh, several years ago. In the meanwhile, um, it was so we started this uh, implementation for OData V2. Mm -hmm. So this is also the specification, com or nearly completely, uh, how to say, done with uh, Microsoft and SAP together, but driven by uh, Microsoft mainly. And, but this is still uh, not an open standard. And okay. then with version 3, there was a version in between. We completely skipped this. And then version 4 was then handed over from Microsoft to the Oasis. So that's an open standard and not uh, belongs to one company. Okay. And also version 4 had some uh, improvements, especially replacing the most XML stuff with JSON. And, or to have JSON as a second or the primary option. And then we started the implementation for uh, Odata version 4. And there's also the differentiation between Olingo version 2 and version 2, uh, version 4. Okay. And so we started then this, and it was then to say, I guess around three years ago, where we said for us internally, it's feature complete. We have everything what we need. And then it was that we uh, give it to another smaller team for maintenance. and. There are currently two colleagues which are working on this, uh, but uh, in comparison to before, more regarding maintenance and doing minor feature changes. Okay. And uh, this is the which version to, isn't this is Olingo version what? What's currently the in the uh, the newest? Currently we have so two branches. So the, mm -hmm. the colleagues mainly work in version four mm -hmm. because it's then for our data version four and it's more often used. But still, we have users for version 2 mm -hmm. and also some on the Chiva of the official or the public Apache project also often request for version 2. Okay. Uh, especially, uh, I guess you mentioned it, the uh, JPA uh, connection or the JPA extension, mm -hmm. which is for version 2 more often used. And for version 4, we, had nev uh, we never had an official JPA extension okay. during this time. Um, and for me, it's to say 
um, I try to to help as much as I can help during my spare time. But um, currently, uh, my my family is growing, and it's hard between the kids and the very small kids to find the, the time to work okay. on the spare time on this so project. Why SAP founded the the project? I was mainly uh, internally during this time. There was the decision that most of the service should provide the OData uh, endpoint, mm -hmm. and also, like you have described it, uh, with OData, it's very easy to expose databases to the web. Mm -hmm. And so it was then that we had for some internal services or for our uh, also for the customer provided stack that they should could just activate this or OData exposure. Mm -hmm. They had nothing to do beside of uh, defining their data model in the database, mm -hmm. and then they had already the rest of uh, the, the OData endpoints, which they can use, like you have described, a bit like REST, but with the additional SQL features. Yeah, it, it is actually REST because um, there are minor uh, minor differences. It looks a little bit different. Yeah. So instead of slash, you have you know brackets, but uh, it is yeah. a really nice RESTful interface. I would say it's not like you know generated unreadable is really readable and, and is restful and uh the i think the sap ui5 framework also uses all data right yes yes so, so it was really also to have this um standard to be used by all of the services so that it's easy to have the ui just on top of this uh, interface uh, endpoints yeah and the sap ui is actually really nice so they uh, uh, recently at the sap keynote uh, this year Mm -hmm. uh, they made even all the JavaScript widgets available as uh, dependency-free, almost yeah, dependency-free mm -hmm. web components. Really easy to use, and they look great. Oh. Oh, interesting. So even I have not known this. <laughs> okay, yeah, uh, we use it already in in a view project. It's a oh, nice cool. date picker, and uh, for instance, is a great and and uh, a grid stable. So it's a really nice project. Mm -hmm. It's called SAP UI Five Web Components. If you search for that, okay. and you will find a GitHub project, which is uh, looks really nice with a very small SAP logo on it. <laughs> uh, so um, I know some approaches this direction with the OpenUI 5. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and there's so... OpenUI 5 web components called, and mm -hmm. this is oh, the, okay. the new cool. stuff. Um, okay. So to be honest, so when I joined several years ago, SAP, I was completely not aware of that SAP doing that much of open source. And I'm really happy that I'm still working a bit in this area within the company. And I'm really nice to hear that also others see sometimes that SAP does some good contributions to the open source community. I I forgot, actually, when was it? But uh, what hap What I use a lot, it was probably 15 years ago or something, there was a MaxDB. And MaxDB was an open source mm -hmm. database from uh, SAP. And it was mm -hmm. great with uh, management tools. And I used MaxDB in some projects but then strangely I think it was bought by another company this MaxDB thing by MySQL or something it was like a MySQL mm. hardened MySQL it was called MaxDB so um, th this is why uh, I didn't want it anymore because I knew SAP does some open source work mm. Yeah, and uh, what's also funny or funny interesting I spent a few weeks in St. Leon Roth I think is the mm. name of the, of the place yeah. it's like SAP University and I teached uh, ABAP internal SAP developers to understand Java. And I met then uh, R3 developers who actually started SAP, who built the origin R3 virtual machine. So this was actually the mm -hmm. other 
really interesting nightly conversations how, uh, how SAP <laughs> worked back then behind the scenes. Cool. Yeah. So, um, OData, what are you doing now at SAP? So, is still OData related or a completely different story? A completely different story. In the meanwhile, I uh, changed from the OData team mm -hmm. to um, a team where we provided internally some messaging service. So, back again regarding messaging stuff. Okay. Where we integrated an uh, external hardware messaging solution mm -hmm. into our uh, data uh, senders. Mm -hmm. and provided this then internally on our cloud platform. Mm -hmm. And this was also around for two years. Uh, but I missed doing this time a bit again the, the open source relation. Mm -hmm. And then also because we started then with uh, AIMQP as a protocol for mm -hmm. some solution for the mm -hmm. messaging. And I also then during this time uh, did some implementation regarding this AIMQP and how we could provide this for our uh, internal users mm -hmm. as a library. Mm -hmm. And there I was again a bit in contact with the Apache Cupid project mm -hmm. and used this, did also there some contribution. And then I decided for myself, oh, I want to do a bit more regarding open source again. Mm -hmm. And then I got the opportunity, SAP internal, to switch to a team which uh, should try um, should try to help the colleagues to um, use open source software uh, most in a most secure way with less effort. Yeah. And so it was then the, the project um, where I'm now in since about one year, where we would try to to find solutions for open source or for known vulnerabilities and open source dependencies and software, mm -hmm. and try to solve this or find mitigations for the uh, such vulnerabilities and provide this to the colleagues so that they, in the best case, do not know about, oh, there was a vulnerability so that they already get a fixed version of the open source component. Mm -hmm. Ah, there's an interesting side note. So um, in my projects, so what I usually do, so my projects are not like infrastructural projects or more like, you know, more boring business projects. So, so what do you usually do? We just have the application servers and uh, the, uh, the actual business do not contain business logic, do not contain any external dependencies. So we don't have any dependencies. So we are always safe. On, we pa pass, you know, all the all the scanics because there is nothing inside. And uh, in some project, they wanted to be, you know, funky mm -hmm. and they created their own jar with all the dependencies and they never passed the pipeline because we they, 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 the scanner always found something. So it was actually interesting. If you, you can... You can, uh, this is not possible in your case, but in my case, uh, the solution, the problem is often, you know, getting rid of unwanted dependencies. So this is the best solution. Yeah, this is also what we try to, to um, make clear to the uh, colleagues to really take care about the dependencies you take and that you do not just take a dependency because you just find it. So really think about. Yeah. And also, so also with open source, it's, Surely free to use, but it's not uh, coming without any cost. So because yeah. you still have to check regarding some vulnerabilities or maintenance of the stuff, and and, and, and also, also whether the project you now remains active. So we saw you know so yeah, many yeah. projects which are stale. So then what do you do about that, right? Yeah, this this is what we really want to to improve internally yeah. with mm -hmm. our project and our team, and also regarding I don't know uh, if you know the tool named Wulas. No. So it's a 
Okay, because it was also just, I guess, two months ago was it was open sourced. Wula. Was also started at Wula's. Okay. V-U-L-A-S. Okay. So, vulnerability scanner. Okay. So, it uh, checks for the dependencies which you have in your project. Is so, it's a SAP-based project? project. Yeah, it started as uh, as a SAP research okay. project. Okay, interesting. Uh-huh. And they just, uh, I guess it was two months ago, uh, where they uh, open sourced it officially. So, it's now on GitHub. And I guess just last week or the week before, they uh, officially, officially did a step to bring it to the Eclipse Foundation. Oh, so really that's then also uh, uh, by a foundation. And we internally use this for scanning of uh, our projects, mm-hmm. uh, our Maven Java-based projects, to see if there are some uh, libraries in with vulnerabilities. And what this also does, uh, or this uh, additional option, uh, it can also check regarding if the vulnerable part of a library is executed. Mm-hmm. So by uh, based on static code analysis, as well as based on the unit tests or the tests you have in your application, mm-hmm. it's really interesting. And the colleagues also, what was for me uh, interesting, um, because they not only check the dependencies and transitive dependencies, mm-hmm. they also scan the source code of the dependencies during build time to mm-hmm. see if the fix is really applied. Okay. And, uh, SAP is doing lots of Java internally, or? Um, and there's always, uh, when I talk with some, some colleagues, I always uh, use this term of the filter bubble, because mm-hmm. when I look around, uh, I see a lot of Java developers. Mm-hmm. But I guess when I change the floor or the building, I would see a lot of other developers. So okay. um, at least it's regarding the cloud platform, which we offer uh, really a lot of um, Java development. In the meanwhile, mostly, or not mostly, but often Spring-based applications. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and the other languages, I guess, JavaScript, and also because of the trend regarding Kubernetes and also the backing services regarding Kubernetes, uh, I heard more and more that colleagues using Go as a language. Okay. Interesting. So um, back to Olingo. So um, I played with Olingo a bit recently. Mm-hmm. And what I found is that uh, it is uh, a library, but it could be uh, really well integrated with Jakarta E or Microprofa. This mm-hmm. is what you usually do. And um, and what I tried to find, you know, from Olingo page is really hard to find where the where the source code lives. So probably a hint to your developers, they should expose a little bit more. You know, if you want <laughs> to contribute, go to this, you know, GitHub project, for instance. And this was for me really hard to find. So. And um, and um, if you think about this, I mean, this uh, OData or Olingo comprises two parts, the metadata part, and the second part is, I would call it execution part, right? So if you, you can mm-hmm. query the service or give me the metadata, and you have the metadata, you can perform the queries, right? Yes. And if you think about this, this is actually, it could be, completely seamlessly integrated with MicroProfile or Jakarta without any plumbing because uh, it would be sufficient, for instance, to point uh, Olingo to a database table and uh, nothing else. And then if you have uh, JDBC, uh, you have everything. So the whole metadata is just, you know, one-to-one could be mm-hmm. exposed as with a little bit of mapping as Olingo metadata so you could improve the uh, usability a lot. So I did a little bit by hand just to see you know, what happens behind the scenes. 
and then got the idea, okay, one-to-one -one first. This, and even better, if you have JPA, you could actually use reflection, this is what I did, and mm -hmm. just, you know, go to the JPA uh, entity and use reflection or use the um, metadata from JPA and just expose the metadata directly. And and this this would be crazy because then, you know, you could just put a few entities to your project and and you and there's nothing else to do. Yeah, completely agree. So this uh, version two of Olingo, mm -hmm. there's also this JPA extension which offers uh, something like this already. Mm -hmm. The only op uh, the, the not so good part uh, in the Odata v two uh, Olingo v two, we had during this time the decision to have a servlet as entry point. Exactly. Which causes then some problems afterwards. So it was not the best decision during this time. And for the version four, we also did a completely rewrite. So it was not that we take the code of version two and just uh, update it to the new standard. So it was really that we try to whatever we have learned from the old version to improve in the new version. And so the, also the current the entry point is completely free if you want to start with a surflet or something completely different. It's all in your hand. The only thing, uh, it was a bit uh, internally. So I guess uh, perhaps I should add a dis disclaimer at the beginning. So, but this is all my personal view. So it's not the SAP view. And also, I guess this is uh, nothing confidential because uh, this Apache stuff is all in the uh, yeah open mm -hmm. web. Mm -hmm. But uh, during this time, it was a bit, we, we started with the server implementation for V4 mm -hmm. and Microsoft contributed to the client implementation. Mm -hmm. And also during this time, we had uh, one, one colleague from Red Hat. Mm -hmm. He is, I guess, when I see the comments at some time, still active mm -hmm. uh, because he had an, a different approach for the server backend or the server implementation, how it should be used. And then we worked together with them because we thought, okay, our approach is a, a good one, mm -hmm. but he was convinced by his approach. And then we find a solution to say we have, can have both approaches in the library itself. Uh, mm -hmm. Just then you have to, to um, refer to another dependency, but the APIs are the same. Mm -hmm. And so it was then that we started with this and had this uh, JPA implementation for V4 still in, in our heads to say, okay, this is then the, the first feature which we implement when the library, the core is running. Mm -hmm. But then um, there was the decision that, okay, the core is running, we couldn't need no more features and internally this JPA stuff is not really requested. And so we said, okay, then we should uh, offer it to say uh, to the community to do there some contributions, but we were doing this time not able to um, merge the contributions in a stable way back to our library, to our core library. Okay. And so it's, I guess, in the meanwhile still, perhaps I have to check this, um, that there is for version 4 no official JPA extension provided by Olingo itself, but you find something like this uh, on GitHub. I don't even think uh, JPA is necessary, because if you think about this, uh, if you have JPA mm -hmm. entity, it has to map to an existing table. And if you have Olingo, no one cares about the JPA entity. So yeah. you could, you could, you know, directly point to the table. So this JPA is mm -hmm. probably nice in a project where you would like to generate a table from a JPA entity, mm -hmm. for instance, but uh, it is not um, strictly necessary because of the architecture. Yeah, so it was also, uh, it was still during the times of version two. 
where we started with this JK extension. Uh, also, there is, I uh, just to check, there's an uh, annotation processor. Exactly. Where we thought about, okay, you should just annotate uh, your classes. And so it's completely independent if you at the end use JDBC, JKA, or just a file system, don't know. Um, you have just to annotate your uh, data objects. And then based on the annotations, the metadata and the, the endpoints are generated. And we started with this, but also there, there was then the decision, okay, and we should uh, not further drive this because we have to implement version 4 first and then perhaps start with version 4 with some similar implementation. Uh, but because I was interested and want to see how this could look like and how this worked, so it was that I started also on GitHub and own project, I named it then, uh, I guess Janos was the name. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess it still lives at some uh, in my repository in my GitHub. But um, I really tried for version 2 to say, um, uh, I want to provide these annotations, and this should then be in, uh, independent of the way how you store your data or your, how you persist it. And I then started to have a JPA implementation as backend. And uh, I guess it only I only did it then for JPA, but to have the core library, um, to have some annotations in the core library and be completely independent of the way how to persist the data at the end. Mm -hmm. So I, I did it two proof of concepts. So one uh, was uh, JAXRS based and uh, the other <coughs> one was servlet based and J used JPA. And I think the usability, the developer usability could be improved as well because what yeah. you have to do currently you have to inherit from abstract OData application, and this could be absolutely hidden. So I think what would be possible, mm -hmm. you know, just to add additional annotation, like, you know, OData exposed or just OData, and this should happen behind the scenes. So, and then I got the idea, it would be actually a great mm -hmm. idea to start, a, for instance, a Eclipse MicroProfile project, use Olingo, and, uh, you know, mm -hmm. just to try to increase usability that way, that as developer, you will just have, let's say, it was the micro profile config you could add a connection to a database and it will and probably the tables you would like to expose which is optional it should expose all the tables but you can override this of course mm -hmm. and then you are then you are ready to go then then you can you know then then you have a rest useful rest services for all your backend and you can focus on the front end and this 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 would this, this could be actually interesting because i get a lots of questions from my clients you know what to do with backends for frontends and how to, you know, structure CRUD applications. Do we have to implement, you know, the same stuff yeah. over over again? And this and there are lots of attempts in this direction. Yeah, so it's interesting. So <laughs> the only thing is uh, sometimes a bit also uh, when I uh, explained before that I mostly working on, on mostly I only work on my spare time on yeah. Olingo. It's sometimes harder to implement something like this in the evening spare time. Yeah, and but, then it um, really feels could we interpret something? So if I if I got the idea in yeah. my spare time and implement something, would it be accepted? So what would be the process? So how, how this could work? So the project lives on GitHub, right? Yeah, it completely lives on GitHub and um also for version two. <clears throat> so the best way perhaps to start is always to provide first the mail and the, the idea or very short conclusion or a summary of the idea to the mailing list. Mm -hmm. Because um, as told, I'm working for, uh, in the Olingo project, but I'm only one of the PMC members. Okay. Or, or even if I'm the VP currently of Olingo, mm -hmm. it's not to say that I as VP has then more rights to vote. 
Wilson uh, always that uh, if some new ideas like this should be um, introduced in the core library mm-hmm. um, is then related to a vote on for the PMC members. And then normally a patchy way is that uh, three PMC members have to vote positively mm-hmm. and there must be no negative vote. Mm-hmm. And if this is then happening, um, this can be integrated. Um, yeah. And also the only thing which we always said for Olingo or the, for our versions, it always must be backward compatible. Yeah. This is also one of the reasons why we never removed in version two this surplus stuff. Because mm-hmm. we said, okay, when we would remove this, it will not work. So we have to um, work on a version where we can say we need a different option, how you have something as a starting point of your application. And then also there was some years ago where we said, okay, when we want to do something like this, we should start version 2.1. Mm-hmm. But as told them, uh, it was always that internally we had the clear decision we have to work on version 4, completely fine. And was then also all of this stuff more related to, oh, it must be done um, in the spare time of mm-hmm. each of us. And then we never get it uh, or never started on this. Okay. But um, back to your question. So best starting point is uh, asking on the mailing list. And mm-hmm. if there are uh, enough supporters, this can be started. And then based on the implementation, I guess, if it's backward compatible, I guess it should be not that big of an issue uh, if we add something in, the, in one of the newer versions, or if it's a bigger change, perhaps really um, we could target something like a Lingo version 2.1. Yeah. So um, what I'm just thought about, not the API at all, because it's a part of the standard rather than, you know, just mm-hmm. uh, how to more seamlessly integrate that with uh, mm-hmm. MicroProfile runtimes, for instance. Uh, and this would be basically all Java e-service. And uh, yeah, this is what I thought about because uh, mm-hmm. the the developer usability or this 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 would be like you know the tutorial would be like would be condensed to a half page probably just use this annotation and you are done. So this is what I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, something like this should not be too complicated to add something like this. Yeah, cool. this based is... on the uh, backward compatibility, okay. but also. Um, can also, if you, because you said uh, you already did some small proof of concept uh, with Olingo, so complete, uh, feel completely free to share this with me, and then we can perhaps check how this can be integrated. Mm-hmm. And I can also then help in support regarding uh, on the mailing list, so that we can have the uh, that we get the vote and enough feedback. Yeah, and uh, the initial, you know, uh, I was to say the the. The main idea about this interview was was caused by the last Airhex TV where an yeah. uh, attendee also asked about Olingo in my idea about OData and get lots of such questions. So, and then you tweeted something and I say, okay, now we have mm-hmm. to talk because now we could do something <laughs> about that. You know, there are lots of interest at the Airhex TV and from my clients or so probably something mm-hmm. could happen, right? Yeah, so also um, this was where I, I heard it at the Airhex TV. Um, so I'm a regular listener or viewer of this Airhex TV. Um, and also regarding Olingo, I'm really open, or the, I guess the whole community, which we have, or maintainers, are always open for uh, improvement and suggestions and also for collaboration. The mm-hmm. only thing sometimes is, um, to be honest, it's sometimes hard to explain the people that, as told, the most only work on their spare time on this project. 
Yeah. And then sometimes hard for, even for me, when I then see, oh, somebody asked something on GitHub or created a Java issue. And it's again, after three days, somebody says, oh, nobody responded. And I think by myself, oh, I really should respond, but take me perhaps a half an hour, hour. And I find it's hard to find a spare time. Exactly. But yeah, this is abso absolutely understandable. It, yeah. Because uh, it is really hard to write, you know, uh, a good email. This is how AIHX TV yeah. started because yes. I was not able to respond via email. This is actually mission impossible. And the AIHX, I can show some code and explain that. And uh, yeah, this is our, yeah, this was this was actually the reason that the whole thing started. Started. And by the way, it is uh, I think already five years old or something. It's crazy. So it is like mm -hmm. yeah, and still questions left. So there, are, I thought you know, after one year I'm done. All questions were answered. But no, I get more and more questions every every month. I guess this is the advantage and disadvantage of the whole uh, uh, computer science and development stuff. So you you can learn really every year something new, but sometimes you have really to learn every year something new. Mm -hmm. So it will never get boring. And I guess the questions will also never end. Perfect. Uh, what we could do in future, uh, we could had uh, we could have a session, EHEX uh, FM session with you about uh, AMQP, right? And would interest. So uh, we we can think about, but uh, as told, or not perhaps as told, but um, I worked then on an AMQP implementation for our own uh, internal messaging system mm -hmm. uh, in Java. And the contributions, which I did then to this Qubit project, was, I guess, two or three minor contributions okay. uh, regarding the how the library could be configured because there were some parts missing regarding uh, HTTPS connections and setup of the HTTPS connection with some own certificates. With, uh, because of this, the project could not be used by us internally because we had no opportunity to, to get the certificates which we had internally into the, the um, bootstrapping of the Qubit library. And so we did there some changes. Mm -hmm. And the second was just, I guess it was regarding OAuth authentication because there was also no opportunity to doing the connect, uh, the, the establishing of the connection for NQP to before get some token. And also then we add some, uh, uh, how are some extension point so that you can say, okay, before the connection is done, call please this extension and do something with the response. And so we did it that we added then this extension point and internally. We just then created our own extension to say which first calls an OAuth uh, server to get a chat token, and then we set a chat token to the header, and then the connection was established. Okay. So I guess. However, so we could talk, you know, about AMQP, or if you if you prefer about the scanning, whatever you like, we can do it in future. Also, Just... yeah. So I guess currently, so perhaps I can try to remember a bit more regarding AMQP, but regarding this open source and security stuff. So. This is currently the main thing I'm working on. Yeah. Um, perhaps we could discuss a bit about this. So because yeah, this really I'm be... currently really eager to bring this a bit forward within SAP. And also there we have some ideas to say, oh, based on how it works internally, perhaps you can open source there also some stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. This will be more interesting. So let's do this in a few months. Mm -hmm. I will ping you or ping me. We will talk mm -hmm. about security scanning. Yeah, sure. So perfect. So thank you. And where people can find you? Your Jonas or Jana's project? What was it? Jonas and what is your GitHub repository? Uh, Twitter. So 
Yeah. It's all related to Mebo. Yes. So you find me on Twitter with this, I guess it's an at one Mebo because Mebo was already taken. Mm -hmm. And on GitHub is just then Mebo, also M-I-B-O, mm -hmm. where you find my repositories. But to be honest, on GitHub, you will not find that much. <laughs> um, and also sometimes with my, to be honest, with my uh, spare projects, which I just doing some proof of concepts or some minor stuff, I really have the feeling afterwards, okay, this should all be cleaned up a bit and bit to be done more, I would say, professional, or I should add at least some point, uh, some tests. But no, this always... is the same with me. So most of my GitHub projects okay. just experiments. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. So thank oh, you, okay. and see you at the WJAX or yeah. next JAX. Yeah, surely. I will see when I get the opportunity to get there because currently I'm more than at some Apache conferences. Okay. But I guess you are not that often at Apache conferences. Okay. So thank you and bye. Thank you. Bye.